This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. No special announcements or anything, so let's jump in and see what we got. First up is a pretty big deal. Fixel has just opened an interest checklist for a parallel ATE emulator box. Essentially what this is, is a device that will plug into any IDE port on an old computer, old video game consoles, anything, and emulate devices that are connected to either the main or secondary ports, and both of those could be emulated as well. So that essentially means you could have any optical disk drive with an IDE port. This could be an ODE for that. This could also emulate zip drives and potentially hard drives and stuff like that in the future. Fixel said that's kind of something that he would work on later because there's already IDE to hard drive emulation like that out there. He wants to concentrate on things that don't have options, which I think is a really great idea. Actually, I think it's a great idea in almost every scenario in retro. Start with things that they don't have solutions for. Um, but this is this could potentially lead to a lot of amazing stuff. I mean, at the very least, it could be a very easy optical drive emulator for the original Xbox, but that's thinking very, very small. <laughs> it's more along the lines of stuff that could be integrated in anything with an IDE port. And there could be potential for multiple virtual devices and other things. And hopefully at some point in the future, there might even be able to have some kind of network support added on a future version or something to really tie all of this into being able to keep these devices active with modern stuff when we run out of usable IDE CD-ROM drives and all of that. So at the moment, it's still an interest checklist. So if you think that you might want to buy something like this, put your name on the list and that's it. There's no money involved. Uh, you don't have to worry about anything. If this is something that you seriously think you might want for any of your retro computers or devices, just add your name to the list. And then as Fixel starts to progress a little bit more in the project, then it should be something that we, uh, more details could get hashed out, pricing, and then an official pre-order would be open. But for now, it really is just kind of an interest check. But Fixel did this with two other projects. So this is not a pipe dream. Fixel did this exact same thing with the 3DO optical drive emulator and then launched it directly on target. Next is that HDMI device that I talked about last week that could be installed in both Neo Geo and 3DO consoles. And that's due to come out in a very short period of time, a couple of months. So I would honestly think that this is right behind it. 
Uh, he's had a great track record, and I'm, I'm just excited to see what comes of this project. So please check out the post and, of course, the uh, uh, add your name to the interest checklist, and I'll keep everybody posted on where this goes. I found an oscilloscope on Amazon that's only $30 and seems to be a perfect cheap device for testing sync voltage and using arcade boards through super guns to make sure that your audio and video is safe as well. If you really don't care about any of that stuff and you just buy basic RGB SCART cables or component video cables for your retro consoles, you don't use super guns, then you probably don't need to listen anymore. If you're interested, please check out the video. But if you think there's even a small chance that you would use something like this, a $30 test device is pretty incredible for that amount of money. So uh, please stick around and I'll walk you through what I found. Just a short overview, of course, the video's out there if you need it. Uh, first and foremost, I added kind of a clickbaity thumbnail. The original one will go back, you know, pretty soon. But I said it's the best holiday gift for your retro nerd friends. And I really, truly meant that because this is a tool that you could, even if you leave it in your toolbox and use it a couple times a year, it will pay for itself if you find just one thing that is over voltage because that would have blown out or at least potentially blown out or shortened the lifespan of your SCART equipment. Essentially, the video basically just says buy the scope, set it to auto and you test using the proper methods with 75 ohm or 100K resistance, depending if you're talking about video or audio. Uh, you could pick up an RG bench to make this test so much easier to do, but the RG bench is the most expensive part. Uh, you know, you get what you pay for, that's not an insult, but basically, if you have zero tools right now, you could buy a scope, a cheap multimeter, and a SCART receptacle device for a total of under $50, that will be everything that you would need to make sure that you could test properly. And if you did want any of the extras, I talk about those too, but honestly, this is one of those things where if you've ever wondered, like, what cables did I buy? Do, am I using the right sink? You open up the SCART head and there's like a circuit in there. I mean, there's a bunch of things that you might really want to think about. If you've invested a lot of money in your collection and your equipment, this is just the perfect thing to test it with. Um, I have methods on how to do it in there and basically everything that you would need. The only thing I'm going to add, which I've mentioned a bunch of times in that video, is the scenario I just described is how I feel about this scope. This is not something that you would use to as a, a piece of development equipment when you're building your hardware. You're gonna to wanna to spend the extra money on that Rigel scope or others like it. I just choose the Rigel because it's the one that Steve taught me how to use and a bunch of other of my friends use it. So I just think it's easy for us to be using the same test equipment. But basically, if you're gonna be designing and building stuff, you're gonna need a good piece of equipment. Um, you know, it's like if you were a mechanic working all day long, you wouldn't use a Swiss army knife with the uh, Phillips head screwdriver built in. But if you needed to unscrew one bolt once, that would be a perfectly good thing. So maybe that was a dumb analogy, but I'm just trying to put that in that visualization into people's heads. Quick testing tool, this thing. You're developing products, get a more solid piece of equipment. But please check out the links and, um, you know, I have other videos on using a scope here as well. Also, the scope that I linked to kept dropping out of stock and then going back in and then dropping out. So I have alternatives that I found that I put in both the post and in the video that should be the same. So start with the top one. Uh, if that's sold out, then go to these. And just remember, it's Amazon. So if you pick up any of these other ones and it turns out to be the same picture, but a different actual thing that shows up, just return it. You're only out a few moments of your time. So hopefully we can get as many people as possible picking these up and using them because the more people that are educated about this, the 
the less chance of damaging your equipment. And also, the more we could call out, I mean, I'm sorry to be negative, but the more we can call out bad companies for selling garbage because we could just grab one of these $30 little tools, plug it in and go, your shit's built wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, uh, please check out the video if you're even a little bit interested because I think it would be a big help. This week's podcast is once again sponsored by JLCPCB, and this week I'm going to show you everything I did wrong placing the order last week. And I really don't do this on purpose, but what I do always try to do with these ads is show you how I'm learning this stuff in real time. Because if I'm making these mistakes, there's an excellent chance it could happen to all of you. And some of it are bonehead moves where I just try to go too quick, my fault, but others are things that you really should be learning as you go anyway. So... Now let's take a look and walk you through everything that was kind of a bump in the road for uploading those 3D printed designs. And I'll start with the easiest one. So as we go into my order history, we can see the few where the audit failed. And the reason is simply because there are two pieces in the same upload. Now this should have been incredibly obvious to me and I feel silly for not picking up on this beforehand, but of course they're not going to allow multiple pieces in the same upload, both because it's gonna be hard to determine what is which is which for the settings, but also you can't just upload one file with 15 pieces in it and expect it to be the same cheap price. So that was my bonehead move and that was very easy to work out though. They just, uh, they sent me a notice saying that the audit had failed they had sent me a notice as to why, and everybody was really friendly, and I just re-uploaded it with each piece singled out. So everything was the same as I had showed in last week. I just uploaded uh, twice as many, some for the actual cover itself and others for the button assembly. Now, the second one was a little bit more complicated, and I had to kind of guess at this one. The second issue wasn't as straightforward, and I honestly don't know if I made the right move. I guess we'll find out in a couple weeks when they arrive, but basically I got an email saying that they request that the partial wall thickness for different materials is thicker than the original design, so also thicker than the PCB would have been. And it seems like they're really looking for a minimum overall thickness of two millimeters or 1.5 millimeters for resin. However, under that's doable, but you're, there might be some issues with it. And they also showed a couple of pictures showing where this might be a problem. And uh, the biggest issue might, of course, just simply be the PCB style 3D print of the top cover. And I'm honestly not sure if this is something to worry about. If this is just something that results in some, uh, some abrasive material on the bottom side so you don't get as smooth and as nice of a finish, then I don't really care because no one's going to see it. Literally, it will be on the bottom, not visible as you're walking by looking at it. But this also could mean that there could be potential structural issues with the print. So I guess we're going to have to find out when they arrive. And this is another reason I love doing these ads because I'm really learning in real time along with you all. And luckily, JLC PCB was nice enough to send me a coupon for this one. So if I do screw this up royally, uh, it's not all on my dime. I only had to pay for a portion of it. But I think this was pretty interesting. And this is definitely something that I will report back on as soon as they arrive. So stay tuned for a follow-up in a week or two, depending on when they eventually get out to me. Next up, Retro Gamer Store is now doing a second run of the clear and smoked clear transparent Genesis Mega Drive One shells. And I gotta be honest, I was packing up the clear one that I did for a friend of mine a couple of days ago. And before I put it in the bubble wrap into the box, I just was staring at it like, 
this thing is freaking gorgeous. So I snapped a couple pictures of it just right on my table, right on top of the, the plywood I use as the, the lid to my table. And I, I didn't know what I was going to use those pictures for. And I just was like, I got to, even though these are basic cell phone shots, I want to hold on to these because this thing is gorgeous. I absolutely love the way it came out. And I'll figure out a different way to share this with people. And then a couple days later, completely unbeknownst to me, RGR announced that they're going to be doing another run of these shells. And I just thought, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to use these real life shots that I took that just snapped with a cell phone uh, with the thing sitting on a table and use that as the thumbnail. And I know I just talked for like a minute about a thumbnail, but hopefully that will kind of really bury the point home that I don't talk about these because uh, because of some reason that I'm making up. I genuinely love the way these look. And I see so many beat up, cracked, banged up old shells. that I just think this is such an awesome way to breathe new life into those older machines. Or on the flip side, I have seen quite a lot of people take these and put these shells on their consoles and sell their perfectly good condition older ones to people who want the original shell, but theirs is cracked and beat up. So really everybody wins as long as we all kind of just stay on top of it. So uh, honestly, this is a... Uh, this is just something that I can't say enough praise about. The only thing that I have to repeat every time I talk about these is you get what you pay for. These are expensive. They're not overpriced, but it's the same Acura Honda analogy that I always give. Do you want to just get to the store and back? Then use your console exactly the way it is. But do you want something with a little bit more luxury to it? Do you want something aesthetically amazing to look at? then here you go. Or are you a modder that wants to drill a bunch of holes into the back and add a bunch of crazy ports but not feel guilty about destroying a console? Then, hey, I couldn't think of a better way to do it than this because now not only do you get to drill that without worrying about destroying a console that you might want to revert, revert back to stock, but now you have a beautiful, clear way to see your work on the inside as well as the outside. So please check out the post. I have links to all of the RGR stuff right here. And I also did the last live stream on them, which really shows off how awesome some of the purple and uh, purple SNES and this clear Genesis was. And I believe there's a few more shells coming soon. So hopefully there'll be new, new live streams showing those off at some point in the future. Pre-orders are now open for a vinyl version of the Fantasy Star 4 soundtrack. The price is going to be about $40 and it'll ship in quarter two of 2023. So upcoming springtime. And this is obviously the Mega Drive Genesis game with a couple of different artwork options and a few other pretty cool things. So if you're interested in vinyl soundtracks, definitely check out Crystal's post. Uh, and of course, check out all of the links. And as I've been reminding people recently, I've seen a few times where after this post goes live, one of the multiple resellers becomes out of stock. So if this is something that you're really pumped about and one of these places, the place close to you is out of stock, definitely check the other ones because you should be able to get it for about the same price, just a little more shipping. So just a, a little tip there. Crystal always puts multiple stores in whenever they're available. So that should be pretty easy for anybody looking. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As usual, I'm going to skim through these, and if anything piques your interest, please, please check out Lou's channel, subscribe, and check out the video, because he has all the details in his video. But starting us out, there's a new utility for SD cards that would allow you to migrate a current SD card to another one, which I think is awesome. It even works moving to a smaller SD card, which makes sense for a bunch of reasons. So thank you very much to Natrox. I apologize if I got the pronunciation wrong, but uh, I love tools like that. It does make people's lives quite a bit easier. Um, 
Next, prototype PCBs of the JAMA Himitsu board have been posted. Um, this is a simplified and lower cost board with no direct video, no USB hub, and no video amp. And the designs will also be open sourced on GitHub. So if that's something that you were looking for, that's pretty cool that that's open source. Any kind of JAMA way of approaching Mr. is always appreciated. Um, a core for the arcade game Crystal Castles is now available to download from GitHub, but it's not quite integrated into the update all script yet, so you'd have to do it manually. Pierco's arcade, for, arcade core for Express Raider is also now available for download uh, just in the regular updater. Otago is giving priority to the Outrun core because many users are experiencing stability issues. Um, I don't know if I would call the issues I found stability issues, but it's definitely a work in progress core, but it's exactly what Otago told us this was. So definitely check that out if you're interested. And remember, Turbo Outrun is listed under T. I still feel like a moron for that a couple weeks later. Uh, there's a new Mac 2 core for Mr. that is a port of Balisk 2, which is a software emulator. Uh, Mr. Add-ons released that admin button breakout board. Uh, if you want more info on that, go back to last week's podcast. I word vomited for quite a bit about all of these, but really, if you have an arcade board that's or an arcade machine that you're dedicating to Mr., you're going to want one of the things that I talked about. So try and suffer through my rambling because the answer to your issues are probably there, even issues you might not know you had yet. Um, also, no more using text, test cores to get IDE hard drive support. Uh, for the PCXT or the Tandy graphics modes. These are all just integrated in, so just upload your mister. Um, Robert has found and fixed the reasons why some games only start up randomly on the PSX core and require a couple of boots. Uh, he also did another awesome post about it, so if you just care about the fix, update your mister, and if you care about why, definitely subscribe to Robert on Patreon, as well as all the other mister devs that are pretty awesome. Uh, that basically sums it up for this week. There were a few other minor updates, and I think there were also some pretty cool updates for the Analog Pocket, which Lou also does videos for. So we'll probably evolve how we do this here. Um, I'm not sure what the best way to promote Lou's work while also keeping everybody in the loop. Uh, but if anybody has any suggestions, we're all ears, but definitely subscribe to Lou's channel if you want to be updated on all of this stuff. And, um, you know, any suggestions that you all have, definitely let us know. And also, politely, I got to remind you, if you don't care about any of this stuff, that's why I put timestamps in the description. I just posted an interview with Jeff Roberts, who is a musician that is also one of the people responsible for getting the video game soundtrack rips done the right way, and then onto things like vinyl cassette or all of the, but basically a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about in the past year. Jeff's behind a lot of that. And to be perfectly honest, the biggest problem I have with any of these interviews is how to, how to explain it in a tweet in a way that you might figure you might want to listen to it. So like I've tried some clickbaity things uh, with Jeff. I think I just said, this is one of the people who makes video game soundtracks available on vinyl. Um, but this is one of those interviews where if you ever have purchased video game soundtracks or you listen to original soundtracks on YouTube or any of the other stuff that basically involves video game music or your own music production, uh, or if you're into MD Fourier, then you kind of have to listen to this one. Jeff was a ton of fun to hang out with. We're definitely going to be doing a follow-up at some point when some of his other secret projects come out. I didn't ask him what those were out of respect, but I'm pretty darn curious. I'm not going to lie. So there's definitely going to be another one, but you're going to want to start with this one. And of course, links to all of Jeff's work. And of course, the martial art band, as somebody who was in a band for 
multiple bands for a while. I always understand how hard it is to promote that. So I wanted to make sure to put that front and center as well. And uh, this is also the same Jeff that I talked about a few weeks ago when I was discussing the VGM Together panel that he had done. And I was really impressed with that. And I'm so glad I got to talk with him here. Um, you know, it's not a repeat of what's in that panel. Uh, you could listen to both independently, one before the other. It doesn't really matter. But I just want you all to listen to it because if you're into music or video game music at all, then I think this one is something that you would really enjoy. And as always, all of these long form podcasts are available everywhere because I don't like to tell you where to listen to things. I want you to tell me where you would like to listen to them. So basically search your favorite app for retro RGB Jeff, and this should pop up. And if for whatever reason it doesn't, you could download it directly or stream it directly right here from the main page. Next up are some firmware updates from Crix. The first is for the Mega EverDrive Pro that uh, fixes some Master System FM sound issues people were having. So the Sega Master System's Japanese version had an FM sound chip built in that allowed for more music channels and kind of better music in some games. And you could use that on a Genesis through a bunch of different methods, one of which is by using the virtual chip on the FPGA here. And I guess Crick's kind of cleaned up some issues with that. Um, I know there are some games that have just flat out compatibility issues on a Genesis, regardless of how you use them. I believe Outrun is one of them, uh, but that's, you know, there's nothing Cricks could do about that. I think this is more of just trying to keep it more accurate and, and keep it working for everybody. There's also some save state updates, that, and the details are both in the readme and in this post. If you're having any issues with save states or if you wanted to see what the changes are, you could uh, just check them out right there. And he, he, he uh, hides the system folder in the file browser, which is just a really cool way to keep the file menu cleaned up. So as always, thank you to Crix for continuing to update all of these awesome products and uh, really appreciate seeing new stuff come down the line. And the second firmware update was for the EverDrive Game Boy X7, and it has a potential fix added for the analog pocket. So basically, if you have an EverDrive GB X7 and an analog pocket and everything's working fine, you probably don't even need to worry about this. If you're having any issues at all, try loading up this firmware and toggling the compatibility option and see what happens. So very cool that Crix has taken the time to try to make this stuff work together. Um, and it's obviously something that makes a lot of sense because if you bounce between original hardware and stuff like this, using a ROM car is the best way because you can bring your save files with you. So very cool that Crix is working on it. On a side note, it looks like he had a few RGB blasters for the Famicom for sale and they sold out immediately. So I didn't do a post on it both because I want to try one myself and because it's not in stock. So um, I think even if I was quick enough to get a post out, it would probably all be gone by the time everybody got there anyway. So don't worry. I did not forget about that. Very excited about it. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, just stay tuned. You'll think it's pretty cool. Even if you, even if you have no desire to get one, I think you'll still enjoy taking a look at it. I just finished a live stream with Lewis from Zez Retro, where we swung back around and retested getting composite and S video out of a mister. Now, the stream was very long and a bunch of stuff went wrong as it usually does, so I'll do a quick summary here. If you'd like to skim it just to see some of the examples and see how it looks, go for it, but don't say I didn't warn you. And I made it unlisted just for that exact reason. I don't want people misunderstanding. But here's the full summary of where we're at right now. First and foremost, um, Mike Simone's cores are coming along so well and so is his board. And these are cores that actually generate separate Y and C, Luma and Chroma, within the core so that it generates native S video. 
which is absolutely awesome. It's as sharp as you could imagine S-Video being. And the board, the latest revision of the board that Mike uses is a huge step up from the last. That's not an insult. The last one was great. That is a 100% compliment. It was an already good project that's now awesome. So I'll explain what you need. You either need an IO board, so one of the analog IO boards that has a VGA D-sub output, or you just need a direct video adapter, a basic HDMI to VGA converter. The one I used was $9 and works totally fine. Um, so you basically grab one of those, you plug this board directly into it, you set dip switch number one to either analog IO or digital IO to compensate for some of the differences. Uh, or and the second dip switch is NTSC or PAL. And that's basically it. Then you could plug S-Video and Composite directly into it. All of the cores that Mike supports looks absolutely amazing. And it's, it's about as perfect of a solution as you could get, except the code has not and may never be rolled into the main Mr. cores. So the reason for this isn't as easy as it sounds on the surface. It's very easy for any one of us to go, well, why won't the Mr. Team just add this? Well, when you have these cores where all of the data is filling up all of the space, you might have to take something else away in order to add this. And if you step back and think of how many people use the Mr. Project, what if adding this functionality removes a really important functionality elsewhere? Or what if certain cores just will never have the space to do this? I don't really know the answers to any of those. I'm just kind of providing um, some perspective. And also it started out as kind of a, oh, let's see if we could pull this off. And then holy crap, Mike pulled it off. So who knows, maybe the team will swing back around and integrate this whole thing in, making this the perfect solution. Or maybe not, maybe it will always have to be an alternative solution, which means that unless Mike is actively supporting all of these cores or somebody steps up to the plate and starts to help, um, then there's really no telling if this will be added to a core that you use. Now, if you go through and look at the list, Mike has a ton of cores that he did. Uh, and in fact, you could get these cores by simply running update all, going in and changing the settings to enable alternative cores and adding mics as well. And that's it. The Epsilon totally made that simple for us. And when you open the core, it defaults to the, def uh, the default directories and stuff like that. So everything is very, very easy here. It's just something that you have to keep in mind. And if you're using something like a Genesis core that's pretty damn solid, then maybe you don't really have to worry about updates or anything like that. Uh, now, on the flip side, if you need a solution right now that you don't want to have to worry about alternative cores or you know you just want something that works period retro castles case which we also tested last time is also updated and even though we were totally happy with it last time it did get even better this time uh, but there are some caveats to that first s video out is totally fine we couldn't get a shielded cable in time and in fact during the live stream i realized insurrection industries is now selling a sega saturn shielded s video cable so i bought one of those and i'll follow up whenever that comes back but S-Video output mostly is fine. It's not going to be as good as S-Video generated directly from the cores, but if you're plugging this into a consumer-grade TV and that does not have any other inputs anyway, you couldn't really ask for anything better. I mean, mics would technically look better, but you're not going to plug this in and go, oh, this sucks, like the opposite. You're going to be very pleased. There are some compatibility issues. We found the 32X core wouldn't work with it, but that's going to be the same problem that you would have with any RGB to composite converter. 
or composite into S-Video Converter, which brings me to the last part. Composite's never going to look right, period. There is no RGB to composite generic converter that's going to always look good. And that is not an insult to Ivory. That's not an insult to, to Ashen or any of the other people that made these awesome devices. Mike Chi made one. It's just, it's what it is. So... Um, Ivory tried to compensate for that by adding a variable capacitor, just like last time, that when you load up your core, if you're using composite out, you just kind of uh, twirl the potential, the um, uh, variable cap, you just use like a flathead screwdriver and twirl it until it looks good. And this is kind of like a clock. You don't have to worry about screwing it all the way in or unscrewing it all the way. When you get back to 12 o'clock, it immediately starts over again. So you could feel free to just very slowly spin that thing around until you nail it. And I found that the results were sharper than a stock Nomad, but with more interference on screen and you'd sometimes get shimmering in the background. So, and that's even with a CRT. So what I basically did was try to get it as clean as possible using a color bar. Then I loaded up Sonic and wait, waited for the attract mode to play. And then I kind of tweaked it a little more till the background wasn't as flickery and it was totally fine. So in a perfect world, you know, the, the mystery team would find a, a way to roll all of this into the main code without taking away from anything else, which might be impossible. I don't know. I don't think I'm smart enough to know, but um, at the moment you have to decide which one is the better one, better solution for you. The one thing we did try to test and we couldn't figure out why it failed, but uh, Ivory had an external version of that converter available. All of the same caveats. S-Video is probably going to be fine. Composite, you'd have to tweak uh, the variable cap, but that ended up not working. I think that might be a really good thing to get for people because you could use it anywhere in that scenario. But really, if you're going to buy a mister now, you kind of just got to decide what it is that you want. Now, if your main use is RGB, that's easy. If you want uh, the if you want RGB with the ability to sometimes use S video and maybe composite, the retro castle case is totally fine and does everything that you need. The last live stream we did, Pork from Mr. Add-ons showed something very similar that he was working on. I don't think it was released yet, but that should work pretty good as well. Certainly S-Video is going to be a good a good choice, but this really just comes down to you figuring it out, figuring out exactly what is the best solution for your setup or placing a gamble that maybe the Mr. Team will integrate all of this stuff in. It's going to be up to you to decide, but we'll keep doing all the testing for you. We'll keep everybody in the loop. And uh, honestly, just thank you to everybody involved in all of this. You know, thanks to um, to Ivory for, for patiently working with us on, on some of these crazy designs. Thanks to Mike for taking the time to manually go in and write all of the composite S video code for all of these other cores. Um, you know, thanks to, to Lewis for sitting with me on these. And obviously thanks to Sorg and the, the main core Mr. Team for continuing to do all this stuff. Because while we're nitpicking about all these little tiny details, the bottom line is it's the best time to be a retro gamer. Before I go, I wanted to ask if anybody had any information about the transcoder that Lame Gaming just did a video on. Uh, a couple of disclaimers. First, I'm not calling the channel Lame. That's the name of the channel. You know, one of you vultures was getting ready to start typing in the comments to stop harassing gaming channels. That's actually the name of their channel. Uh, and also, um, the seller who sells these also sells clone products. And I want to make absolutely clear that I am not at all throwing shade against Lame Gaming for buying this to try it out. 
you know, how, how would they have known that unless they really did some digging? So I would just politely suggest not buying this until we figure out where it comes from. Is this a clone? Is this a good quality product that just happens to be sold in the same store as other clones are? Um, is it a terrible product? It doesn't seem to be. Lame Gaming did a decent video on it. So um, maybe Lame Gaming would be willing to pick up one of those cheap $30 scopes to, to see how the voltage is on it or something like that. Or I guess if they wanted to send it to me, I could probably test it as well. But I was just really curious about it because it seemed like a pretty cool transcoder that is either RGB or VGA to component video. And it's got uh, potentiometers to adjust RGB voltage on it, which is kind of a good sign and a bad sign for me because I know you're always compensating for things being slightly different, but all of the transcoders I've seen that do a good job don't need those because they were well built enough to handle all of this stuff. So while I'm oversimplifying, calm down developers, I know there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, I did just want to ask the question, does anybody know anything about this? Does anybody know where it comes from? Is this the only store that sells them? Because I don't want to support any store that sells clones, even if they don't know they're clones. Um, you know, and of course, is this one a clone? So anybody has any info on this, please let me know. I'd like to try it out myself. I think it might be a good option for people who want to do both. I personally love the RetroTINK transcoders. I think they do an excellent job for everything that I would need, but I do like options. So uh, any info on this, please let me know. Well, that's it for this week. Over the next couple of weeks, I have a whole bunch of stuff scheduled and I'm working on a ton of different projects and I think everything's all falling into place uh, where we're going to get three videos a week and everything's going to be on time. However, you never know what cards life's going to deal you. So there's a small chance in the next few weeks I might miss a Q&A and there's also a small chance that somebody might have to step in for the weekly podcast, this one, while I'm out. So we'll see how all of that goes. But to be honest, I always love when we have guests here because I always love hearing other people's opinions on this stuff. But either way, I, I think everything's going to fall into place. It's all good stuff. It's just a matter of scheduling. So we'll see. But anyway, as always, thank you to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to anybody who supports in any way possible, because it is you who is keeping all of this going. The website, the podcast, the extra videos, and all of the research that goes into it. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week. I think. Pretty sure I'll see you next week. <laughs>